In Isaiah 1, in the uh, second verse, the Lord said, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his owner, the ass his master's crib, but Israel does not know, my people does not consider. One says they don't understand. What, what do it mean they don't understand? They don't understand whose they are. They don't understand how dependent they are on their creator for their every breath and for gravity holding their feet on the ground and how impossible it is to have any real success being rebellious and going your own way. And yet, most of the world is going its own way and not submitting to God, not submitting to Jesus' Lordship. Billions of people on the planet are in rebellion against Him. And it's not surprising because the Bible said the God of this world, talking about the devil, that the spirit of disobedience, Ephesians talks about, is throughout the earth, throughout the very atmosphere. The enemy is the chief rebel. He is the most stubborn, the most disobedient being we know anything about. And he has breathed that influence into our very first parents, Adam and Eve. They disobeyed God. They rebelled against what God told them. And, and, and everyone after that has, with the exception of Jesus. Amen. And uh, <coughs> that is the cause of all the pain in the earth. Amen. But Romans says, by the disobedience of one man, I'm going to paraphrase, it was all messed up. By the obedience of another, hallelujah, by another man, it was all fixed. That's the Keith Moore paraphrase. <laughs> Disobedience messed it up. All of it. So when you, when you see the tragedy, and there are, I mean, there's, there's things you see that's happening right now in parts of the world just make your heart hurt, man. I'm, I mean, it's awful. And you got some people trying to say, well, I don't know why God does these things. God is not doing that. God is not uh, destroying little children's lives. God is not destroying cities with hurricanes and, and earthquakes. That's not God. It's not God. It's because of man's disobedience and the curse in the earth and the devil's work which he's able to do because of man's disobedience. He could, he could have never done it without man's disobedience. Disobedience is an evil, evil thing. It's the very nature of the devil. Stubbornness is like witchcraft, the Bible said. Many have not seen it. They, they, a lot of people think being stubborn is kind of a good thing. You know, it's being strong character. It's devilish. It's evil. Jesus said, come and learn of me. You want to be like the master? What did he say? Learn about me. I am meek and lowly of heart. He said, I didn't come down from heaven to do my own will. 
but the will of him that sent me. I do always those things that please him. I can of my own self do nothing. He was completely submitted to the Father. Completely yielded. Completely humble. Completely obedient. This is Jesus. Do you want to be like him? Then you got, get, you got to get rid of the attitude. You got to get rid of the stubbornness, the hard-headedness, the disobedience, the rebellion. Come on, make a choice right now. Say it out loud. Say, I, I hate, I hate rebellion. rebellion. I despise, I despise disobedience. disobedience. I, refuse I refuse to be like the devil. I will be like my master, humble, obedient, submissive, completely to his perfect will. So be it in Jesus' name. Now your flesh didn't get born again. And it, all you got to do to be ornery is wake up in the morning and act like you feel. If somebody rubbed you the wrong way. And you know, if you'll see that somebody tell you to do something. Just that. Do what you're told. Oh boy. What does that do to your flesh? Your flesh goes, what? Do what I'm told. That's devilish. That response is devilish. Yes, do what you're told. Yes. What a concept. Yes, do what you're told. Why? So that it may go well with you. You may live long on the earth. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Verse 19. He said, if you be willing and obedient, what will happen? You will drive new Cadillacs. You will live in nice paid for houses with your own yard and your own barn and your new bass boat. You will have new clothes. You will eat good food. Hmm? Yes. You'll make it year after year, no physical problems. Yes. How your children will be kept and they'll, yes, yes, they'll yes. grow up. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Other translations say you'll eat the best from the land. Best the land has to offer. You'll get the good things from the land. One says, I'll make you rich. If you're what? Willing and obedient. It is God's will for us to eat the good of the land, but he needs something out of us. He needs cooperation. If you rebel against him and go your own way, it's not going to go well with you. He can't bless rebellion. He can't confirm and provide for disobedience. He can't junk his plan and go with yours. So if you're, going to, if you're going to forget him and, and go away from him, what happens is you're on your own. Yeah. Just the best you can scrap out. And no matter how good you think you are, it ain't good enough. 
It's going, the way of the transgressor is hard. Amen. It's going to be a hard life. Amen. But if you're willing, yes. and if you're obedient, yes. man, you ought to get excited about being obedient. What's obedient? Doing what you're told. What's willing? Willing to do it, and then do it. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has, has spoken it. There's a play on the word there, uh, devour, which is, can also be translated swallowed up. If you are willing and obedient, you will devour, you will swallow up, you'll consume the good of the land. If you're hard-headed, rebellious, disobedient, you will be swallowed up. You will be consumed and that's what the enemy does. Has anybody read in the scripture where the devil, like a roaring lion, goes about seeking what? Whom he may what? Do what devour, that same word can be translated, swallow up. Swallow up. Whom he may. What determines whom he may and whom he may not swallow up? What determines that? There's some he can he can get to and devour. And there's some he can't. Man, this ought to be high on our priority of things to know. What, what would determine my life to be such that the enemy could not devour me? Well, if you read the rest of that passage, it starts off talking about submission. Submission and humility. What, and then he talks about that um, in Peter and in James. So, what's going on here, like Timothy talks about, if you're lifted up in pride, you fall into the same condemnation or judgment as the devil. He knows what happened to him because of his rebellion and disobedience. And he knows if he can get you to do what he did, then you can be devoured. If he can get you to yield to insubordination, disobedience, stubbornness, rebellion, defiance, then he can get access to you and you can be devoured. Can you see this? We've already talked about this before, but I'm just reviewing a little bit. So somebody say, not me. Not me. I'm going to submit myself to God, myself to God. And, resist and resist the devil and he has to flee. See, why did it say it like that? Because if you are not submitting to God, if you're rebelling against God, that's, in order to do that, you had to yield to the enemy. If you're yielding to him, he's not going to yield to you. Can you see that? He's going to laugh at you. Get out of here, devil. He's going to laugh. You're doing what I told you to do. You're telling me to get out? We're in this together. But if you will submit yourself to God, yes. submission is not an ugly word. No. Somebody say, submit yourself to God. Yourself. He's talking about humbling yourself, submitting yourself to God. Yes. When he tells you to do something, yes, sir. When he, you know, you, you change your plans, yes. you yield your life to him, submissive and obedient. Yes. The world hates these words. Because the devil himself, who's the God of this world, hates these words. He's the one who came up with the phrase, I'd rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. I've heard people say such stupid stuff. 
I'd, I'd rather rule in hell. And they got this, yeah, I see you in hell. Yeah, we'll party down there. Yeah, you ain't never been there. No, you can talk big now. But I assure you, if you were dropped in there for about 30 seconds, when you come back, when you quit screaming, you'd never say such a stupid thing again. There ain't going to be no ruling in hell. It's just torment. Just torment if you believe the Bible. No. But that is the attitude. What? I'm, I, I'm not going to serve anybody. I'm my own man. I'm this. I'm the. You're going to have a hard life. It's going to be cut short. It's not going to be blessed. You're going to be devoured by life. Are there a lot of people in this world, they're being devoured. Are they be, their life is being consumed. Consumed with this, consumed with that. Why? The devourer, the destroyer. Oh, but those that completely submit themselves to God, just in submitting yourself with the tithe, the devourer is rebuked. Have you heard that? People fuss about tithing. It's such ignorance. How would you like the devil to get shut down on consuming your money and, and get out of your business? Well, you better, you better start tithing. Tithing. It's not about, you know, uh, giving money to the church. It's about acknowledging who your source is. And it's about giving him access into your life to protect you. Malachi, he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Glory to God. But again, that's because you submitted. You obeyed. You did what he told you to do in that area of your money. And it's not just that area. It needs to be every area. And the more submitted we are and the more obedient we are, the better it's going to go with us. It's going to go well with us. We'll live long. Hallelujah. Good thing after good thing after good thing will happen. And then we'll get out of here and go to heaven and it really gets good. This will be as rough as it gets for us. Now go with me please <clears throat> in the scriptures to the book of Psalms. Psalm 37, I think we can start in verse 1. He said, fret not yourself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they'll soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And if you read the rest of this uh, psalm, you'll see it involves being envious of people who have more than you do. And uh, people, especially people that are not living right. People that don't even acknowledge God in their life. And yet maybe they have lot more money than you, a lot more stuff than you, able to do some things you want to do. He warns you, cautions you, don't envy them, don't fret about it. Somebody say, don't fret about it. Don't fret about it. For they'll soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Uh, without God, any success in this earth is not true success. And it is so fleeting, and once they're done, they're done. That's the end of their story if they don't come to God. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. 
so shall you dwell in the land, and verily you shall be fed. I'm going to eat. Our churches are going to eat. Our ministry is going to eat. We're going to be fed. We're going to trust God. And our dwellings are going to be secure. And our provision is going to be sure. Somebody needed to agree with me on that that did not. So I'm going to come back around again and give you a chance. You need to open up your mouth and go, yeah, me too. That's me. That's me. We're going to trust in the Lord. We're going to do what he says is good. And our dwelling's going to be secure. Hallelujah. And our provision's going to be sure. All the days of my life, till I get out of here, I'm going to eat well, I'm going to wear well, live well. All the bills are going to be paid. I'm not going to worry about it. What I need to focus on is trusting in Him, doing what He told me to do. He's going to take care of the other part. Verse 4, keep going. Delight yourself in your desires, and the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in your desires. <laughs> Let me read this again. Delight yourself in the house you want, <laughs> the cars you want, huh? And and the Lord will give them to you. No. No. <laughs> delight yourself what? In the Lord. Now what does delight mean? Delight means you're excited about it. You enjoy it. You look forward to it. What are you excited about? It's okay to be marginally excited about a house, about new clothes, about nice things. But that should pale in comparison to your excitement about the Lord. And about what He's doing in the earth. About His things. About His kingdom. About His church. About His people. Hmm? Everybody knows the correct answer to that. But the, the, the reality is that a lot of folks that have learned some faith principles and learned some truth about God wanting to prosper you, then their focus has been too much on what I want. Too much on what I want. I want a spouse. I want to be married. I, I want a family. I want that good job. I, I, want, I want to make the big money. I want to take the vacation to... Paris or London or I want the big hunt down in Africa. I, I want that. And so you think about that. You talk about that. You think about that. You're delighting yourself in your desires. <clears throat> and, you, and that can be covetousness. You actually want that more than you want to see the Spirit of God move. Just keep smiling, look straight ahead. 
It can be fixed quickly. I said it can be easily quickly fixed. How, how does it work? Let me remind you of another verse, Matthew 6.33. Hmm? Seek ye first all the things you need. Huh? Seek ye first all the things you need and want and all the necessities of this life. And eventually you get to the place where you can do something for the kingdom. You'll, uh, you know, eventually you get your stuff paid for and caught up, get the kids through college, and you can, uh, you can do something for the kingdom one of these days. Mm -mm. No. Read it out loud. Seek ye first. What? That's before your kids. That's before your grandkids. That's before your hobbies. That's before your vacation. See, that's, that's part of what tithing is about. You take the first part off, and you don't spend that on yourself. That goes to the Lord. It's an act of faith. It's an act of putting first things first. And it's how you qualify. Oh, man, we're close to some really good things right now. It's how you qualify to eat the good of the land. <clears throat> Back up a couple of verses here in Matthew. <clears throat> he said, take no thought. Don't even worry about it. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Where are we going to get the clothes? See, these, these could expand. How are we going to make the payment? How, how we, you know, where are we going to get this? Where are we going? He said, don't take a, a worried, anxious thought about that. Don't worry your head about that. Verse 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles, talking about people without covenant with God, seek. That's what the unsaved, ungodly world is doing every day. Got to go get mine. Right? Yes. I saw a bumper sticker one time says, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. <laughs> Don't get one of them. No. <laughs> uh, seeking after those things, that's you trying to add to yourself through your efforts and smarts and whatever all that you need, all that your family needs, and all that you want. So you work, so you plan, so you try to do this. You say, what's wrong with that? Well, that's not God's way. That's man's way. That's you providing for you. You making happen what you want. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things, which does away with that goofy statement, well, I may not need it. You know, the Lord may know that I don't. No, He does know that you do need it. Yes. Place to stay, something to wear, something to eat, you need this stuff. Yes. That's not confusing. The Lord knows you have need of all these things, so how am I going to get them? The Lord has a different way of getting them from the world's way. How are we going to get them, God? Jesus, verse 33. Here's how you get it. Instead of seeking my house payment, shoes for my kids, 
money from a bass boat. Come on, are y'all with me? Instead of, instead of seeking that and delighting in my desires and what I want, delight in the Lord. Seek his kingdom. What, uh, what does the church need? What does the missionary need? What's, what project is going on to get the gospel all over the world? What, what can I do? Right? And do that? First. First, think more about that than you do what you want. Make sure that's done more than trying to get what you want. And if you do, the master said, all these things shall be added to you. Instead of you adding them to you, he's going to add them to you. And he's going to do so much better than you could have ever done for you. But it takes faith. It takes faith to do it that way. Because you can't see how it's going to be done. And depending on how much you want it, you get to looking at it and go, well, I, I got to get out here and make this thing happen. And you do need to work and you do need to be industrious. But it takes faith to focus on something else, confident that I'm going to get what I want and need. And trust the Lord to add it to you. His way. His time. Which is almost always later. Than your flesh. Wants it to be. When does the flesh want stuff? Now. Yesterday would have been good. Now. Right now. But it's good for you to put your flesh under. <laughs> A lot of times as you're. You're believing and time is passing. Actually, the Lord helps you to see that's not really what you should want and get. I got something better for you over here. And he moves you and changes you. And if you'll wait on him and let him do it, it's going to be so much better. So, do you believe this? So much better than what you could have done through your own efforts. Uh, let, let's talk about how this happens. Go back to Psalm 37. Wow, this has grown on me. Believe with me to help pare it down and get what we get, need to get. Psalm 37 and 3, let's read it again. Trust in the Lord. Do good. You'll dwell in the land and verily you shall be fed. Uh, verily, absolutely, surely, the Lord's going to take care of me. It sets you free. Then I can, instead of feeling bad because I gave that money to the kingdom and I could have went and bought me a new car with that. Oh, what, did I lose somebody there? <laughs> then, uh, then I'm thinking, hey, I'm going to get mine. God's got, I will be fed. The Lord's going to take care of me. He dealt with me to sow that. Verse 4, delight yourself, not in the car, not in the house, not in the vacation, not in the boat, not in the clothes, not in the big ring or the watch. Come on, come on. Delight yourself in the Lord. Don't let that just be a catchy phrase for you. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? 
Oh, you think about him in the morning. You think about him in noontime. You think about what he's doing. You think about what he has done. What he's going to do. And your part in all of it. You have a part. Your service, your talents, your money, your time, your prayer, your faith. You should be involved in something that is accomplishing the plan of God in the earth. Now, if we're not your cup of tea, get out of here. I mean it. Get out of here and go find where it is and get in there and get busy. But if we are, quit messing around and get in here. Time is short, friends. No time to be tiptoeing around, uh, you know, thinking about how the world thinks and political correctness and Mm. Nope. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. He's going to do it. While you're doing what? Not while you're trying to get the desires of your heart. While you're following Him. You're willing and obedient and following Him. Can you say amen? Amen. Look with me in 2 Kings 4th chapter. 2 Kings 4. This is the story of how the prophet, the man of God, was coming through a place on a regular basis. And 2 Kings 4, and we'll start about verse 12. And this woman and her husband saw this man and recognized that he was a man of God. And she said to her husband, let's build on to the house. Well, building on to the house costs money then just like it does now. I mean, this is a substantial investment. Let's build on basically a a master suite. And let's put him a bed in there and and a little place to study in there. And let's fix him up. So when he comes through town, he can stay there. Wait on God, rest up every time he comes through. And he must have liked being around them. Maybe she's a good cook. And so he did. And so every time he came through that town, he knew where to stay. He went over there and stayed with them. And uh, they built this, this house, this addition to their house. And so he called Gehazi, his servant, after this period of time. I don't know how many months or years had transpired by this time. But he said, call this Shunammite, the woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. Keep going. He said, say now to her, behold, we'd say, look, you've been careful for us with all this care. Now, that's not anxious care. That's just, you have have taken care of us. And you have really been conscientious about what we need. I guess, you know, when they knew he's coming, they cleaned it up, put new sheets on the bed. Is that right? Got new stuff for the meals. Hmm? (laughs) We're actually working on this right now for for our guest house. Hallelujah. For the ministers that are going to be coming in. We're doing it right now. Our guys are doing it. I'm saying go. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
In doing this, she's not just making much of a man. She's honoring God. Can you see this? This man's a man. He don't know everything. He makes, he's made mistakes. But he is chosen of God. And anointed of God. And they are respecting that and honoring that. And while he's back there praying and waiting on God, the Lord brought this woman up to him. Now this is how it works. The Lord brought this woman up to him and said, call her. So he tells his servant and he calls her. He says, look, you have done all this. What is to be done for you? Oh, did you hear this phrase? What is to be done for you? And this is not just the man of God talking. This is the word of the Lord that came to him. This is the Lord saying, daughter, what can I do for you? (laughs) And notice what she said. He said, you want me to speak to the king? Me and the king is like this. You want me to put in a word for you with the king? How about no taxes? You know? Uh, or to the captain of the host? You, you want some security out here? What you need? And she said, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I dwell among my own people. I'm happy. She's not covetous. She's not in this for what she can get out of it. Oh, come on, can you see this? What's her delight in? Her delight is not in some big financial deal through the king. Her delight is in what she's already doing. She's blessed enough. Her and her husband is prosperous enough. They can build on additions to the house. They can provide all these meals. They can do all this stuff. She's happy. She's delighting herself in the Lord. Now what's the Lord going to do? What's the Lord going to do? He's going to give her the desires of her heart. She ain't even clear on what that is right now. She just goes, I don't need a thing. No, I'm good. This is drastically different from promoting yourself. From pulling on people. I need. You owe me. I deserve. That's you on your own. And the Lord's not in it. Trying to claw your way into Trying to push your way into, demanding your way into. That's the ungodly way. That's the worldly way. No. She just wants to bless the man of God. She just wants to help the ministry. She wants the meetings in town to be over the top. She wants the man of God to be rested up, fed up, prayed up studied up. Is that right? Not have to think about a thing. And then let's have some hallelujah times when we go to church and let's let's see this city turned around. But God's not content with that. He wants you to do that. But then it's his turn. You do that and it's his turn. The Bible said concerning the centurion in the book of Acts. Said uh, he was praying 
And the angel of the Lord came to him and said, your prayers and your alms have come up to God as a memorial. And then God sent to him, out of all the people in the world, he sends Peter to a soldier's house for the breakthrough of Gentiles getting born again into the church. He didn't even know that should have been his desire. His house is the beginning of a move of God in the non-Jewish world. Oh, somebody say glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Solomon. There was a point where the Bible said, you know, he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. And he got to give an offerings at the dedication of the, uh, the temple. And you talk about getting carried away. The boy got carried away. He sold millions and millions and millions and they had spent billions on this place. He just, he just didn't know when to quit. And the Lord appeared to him in the nighttime and said, what do you want? What do you want? What can I do for you? And he said, uh, uh, I need wisdom. I need wisdom to be the king over this people. And the Bible said what he said, please the Lord. And he said, uh, you didn't ask for the life of your enemies. You didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for a long, long life. But you asked for wisdom. And because you did, I'm going to give you this wisdom. I'm also going to give you what you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you the money. I'm going to give you the riches. I'm going to give you the protection. And if you'll follow me, I'll increase your days. Oh, come on. Can you see what's going on here? They're not seeking after the stuff at all. They're seeking after God. But then there comes a point where God says, what's to be done for them? We got to do something for them. Look at them. That's my man. That's my woman. After my own heart. Look at them. Serving me, giving me everything, not asking for anything, don't have anything else on their mind. And it'll come up before God. It'll come up before His face, before His throne, a reminder to Him. And He will begin to move on people. He'll begin to bring you to their, th their thoughts, their awareness. He'll begin to incline their hearts towards you, even companies, even the government. All kind of situations. Why? Not because you're demanding, not because you're pulling on them, because you're not looking at them at all. You're over here giving God all you got, going after Him with all you got. And He will add all these things to you. He will give you the desires of your heart. He will cause favor to go in front of you and behind you and are all around you. He, He will exalt you and promote you. Can you say, I believe it? Can you say, I believe it? He said in 2 Kings 4, 13, he said, say to her, you, you, you've watched over us with all this care. What's to be done for you? She said, I dwell among my own people. I'm, I'm, I'm happy where I am. 14. And he said, what is to be done for her? That wasn't good enough. The Lord wouldn't let him, let him off of this. 
Can you see? This is not just a man. He is a mouthpiece for the Lord. And the Lord is saying, call that woman in here. (laughs) Ask her what she wants, what she needs. She says, oh, I'm good. The Lord said, "Mm mm-mm. No. What does she want? He's not letting this go. And Gehazi speaks up and says, they don't have any kids. They don't have any children. And her husband is old. He had picked up on that. Fifteen. And he said, call her. So obviously she had already left. She's not trying to get something. Can you see this? And when he had called her, she stood in the door. He said, about this season, according to the time of life, about, you know, nine, ten months from now, you will embrace a son. And when, when he said that, it hit her. It hit her. And now she probably had to hold on to the door face. And she said, no, 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 my Lord. Man of God, don't play with me. What the Lord had put his finger on the one thing. She had always wanted the desire of her. Oh, ha, que was yanieris, even monsampre For the Lord so desires to fulfill the heart's desire of his children. But so many are so preoccupied. Their priorities are so askew. And they have no time for the Lord. But take your eyes off of the things of this world. Set them on the things which are above. Give yourself completely to it every day, every night, and and you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living coming on your life, desires fulfilled that you thought were too late. Would not happen, but it will come to pass because you put me first, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Mm. (laughs) She said, no man of God, don't play with me. Don't, don't, Don't play about this. But what happened? What happened? And, and this is not the end of this. She had a child. They were so ecstatic and happy. Years later, he had some kind of an episode out in the field, heat stroke or something, and died. God raised him from the dead. <coughs> not long after that, there were problems in the country, and their family had to leave. And they left. And after some length of time, and I guess the country had been turned upside down, she came back, they came back, and she went in to see the king to get her property back. And just so happened that this man of God happened to be in there talking to the king at the same time she shows up, telling the story about her. And her son, and when she walked through the door, he said, that's the woman right there. That's her. Talk about a setup. 
And the king gave her and her family back all their property, their house, plus that little room they had built, plus everything their crops had produced while they were gone. Wonder who else in town the thought crossed their mind about providing for the man of God and they thought we can't afford that. We can't afford that. <laughs> hmm. My, my, my. What is to be done for you? Whew. How do you get to hear that? Not by trying to do it yourself, but by seeking him first and delighting in him. Go to Psalm 68, please. Psalm 68, and then I think I'll read something to you from another passage, and we'll be at a good place to celebrate. Psalm 68. If you're willing and obedient, what's going to happen? You will eat the good of the land. The scripture says in uh, Psalm 68, verse 1, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Extol him that rides upon the heavens by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. A father of the fatherless. A judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Say that out loud. A father of the fatherless. A judge of the widows. That's who God is. Now look, verse 6. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those that are bound with chains. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Now he's talking about family and he's talking about provision. Blessing and it being well with you. Remember Ephesians talks about uh, children obeying their parents and honoring their mother and father that it may be well with them, that it may go well with them and live long on the earth. The greatest prosperity you can have is a family. A family in peace, protected, well provided for. That's as blessed as you can be in this life with God in the middle of all of it. I don't care how much stuff you got, if you got nobody to enjoy it with. Right? Family is, is, is the greatest blessing. Not just people that are related by law, but peace, yes. 
joy abundantly provided for having an enjoying life and he said God sets the solitary in families somebody needs to say that out loud God sets the solitary in families you got you got church families you got families within church family you got friends there is no reason for you to go through life lonely and alone and unconnected and unfulfilled unless you're just going to be hard-headed and stubborn and rebellious about stuff. And if you do and won't change, you're going to dwell in a dry land, a dry, desolate, empty place. That's exactly literally what happened to Israel, isn't it? They wouldn't listen to him. They wouldn't obey him. And so where did they spend the next 40 years? In a dry place. Because of what? Rebellion. Wouldn't do what he said. Now, skip on down a little bit. Verse 18. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. This is Psalm 68. You've received gifts for men. Have you ever heard that before? That's in Ephesians. And it goes on to talk about the ministry gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He gave gifts to men. For the rebellious also, that the Lord might dwell among them. These ministry gifts, people like myself, are to help you not be rebellious. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. To... To help you not wind up devil fodder. (laughs) Devoured, right? By the enemy. To help not waste your life. Right? But for it to be profitable and redeem the time and and fruitful. So when you you leave here, you don't have regrets. And you get to hear, well done. Good and faithful servant. That the Lord might dwell among them. There's, there's a perfect example of this over in, in Exodus. Uh, don't, don't turn there. I'll just read it to you. I'll, I'll tell it to you. You remember when uh, God was beginning to get the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And Pharaoh told them to uh, discard all the babies. Throw them in the river. You know, and that's what happened to Moses. Uh, didn't, didn't throw him in a river, put him in a basket, and Pharaoh's daughter found him. But uh, there were uh, these two uh, midwives. Remember reading about them? And one of them's name was Shipra, and the other one was Pua. And Exodus 1.16, if you'll put it up on the screen for us, uh, he, they did not kill the children. They didn't throw them away. And so they got called before the Pharaoh, and then For all they know, they're about to die. And uh, he told them what to do. But verse 17, they feared God and and did not do as he commanded them. They saved the children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said, what have you done this? You saved the men children alive? And they said, you know, these Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They're lively. They're a lively bunch. How many of the people of God ought to be a lively bunch? (laughs) And by the time we get there to help them deliver, they, they've already, uh, you know, delivered the child. And 
And um, it's too late. We got to them too late. Verse 20. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and waxed very mightily. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, he made them houses. What does that mean? They were unmarried. They were alone. And because they did this and put God's people first, next thing you know, they're married with children, got a good house. They put his things first. God made them a house. It's sad that there are so many Christians that are so bitter in life. I don't have this. I need this. Nobody will give me this. Nobody will help me with this. I live without this. Bitterness. Angry. Hurt. This is not excusable. This is not understandable. It's a rebellious, stubborn, devilish mentality. And if that's all you think about is, is what I don't have and what I want and what I need, you're going to be unhappy. You're going to be discontented because you de you're delighting yourself in what you want. You've got to forget about yourself. What an idea. You've got to forget about yourself. What you want, what you think you need, get busy. Delighting yourself in the Lord. Being of use to God's people and his things. Investing into his kingdom. And you get busy doing that. And it may not happen next week or next six months. It may not happen two years from now. But there's going to come a time. I said there's going to come a time. When it's going to come up before God's face. And he's going to say what is to be done. What is to be done for them. Come on, are you listening? People will get you on their heart. They'll start praying for you. They'll start giving to you. You'll have favor and jobs and opportunity and promotions and the desires of your heart. Things money can't buy. He will do. And the greatest thing about it is everybody will know he did it. It'll be obvious you didn't do it. You couldn't have done that. He did it, and he'll be glorified in you. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody.